Hello, 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 and welcome to the Kingston Curator here on 101.9 FM CFRC. My name is Lauren Tucker, and I'm very happy to be your host, bringing you arts headlines, interviews, and our live music calendar all throughout the summer. This week, we're very excited to be bringing you the latest in Kingston Theatre from the Theatre Kingston Fringe Festival and from Driftwood Theatre, bringing stories to the stage through the end of the month and into August. Plus, be sure to stick around because at the end of the hour, we'll have local alt folk act Tiny Horse chatting in studio about their recent engagements, opening for the Trues, playing Howl Island Rock and the Rock, and about their upcoming engagement at the Hillside Festival this weekend in Guelph. We'll have all that plus your live music calendar coming up this hour, but first, here are your headlines for the week. The 15th annual Kingston Writers Fest will be running this September, and this year's lineup was announced at the Agnes Etherington Center Wednesday, July 19th. Among those featured this year are major highlights like Emma Donahue, Alicia Elliott, Patrick DeWitt, Britta Badur, and Vincent Lamb. Programming will feature fiction, nonfiction, culinary, poetry, experiment, hybrid, spoken word, stage reading, and songwriting programs, as well as trivia and writing retreats. For more on Kingston Writers Fest and for the full lineup of events and authors, visit kingstonwritersfest.ca or kwfunbound.ca. The Limestone City Blues Festival lineup has been announced for 2023. Friday night's main stage will feature Roosevelt Collier, Bywater Call, and Rob Lutz. Saturday night's headliner Jeremy Albino is fresh off the release of his new album, Tears You Hide, and will be sharing the main stage with Jerry Ledger and The Situation and Teresa Maliphant. Wristbands for the festival are available now online for $25 and give you access to all three nights of the main stage and participating club shows. You can find all of this and more now at downtownkingston.ca. Tonight is the last Thursday of the month, and so Drag Bingo with Rowena Way returns to Daft Brewing tonight from 7.30 to 10.30 p.m. This event is completely free, and four rounds of bingo will be hosted competing for Daft Brewing prizes. There are no tickets, so just show up and play for a great night of laughs and entertainment. At Kingston's Independent Cinema, The Screening Room, you can visit every Thursday evening and Friday night through to August 3rd for the B-Side Cinema series, bringing you underrated gems from Hollywood auteurs David Fincher, Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, Sofia Coppola, and David Lynch, with series host Jan Simpson, PhD student and host of Eyebrow Cinema on YouTube. Tonight, Thursday the 27th, catch 2006 Sofia Coppola period drama Marie Antoinette, starring Kirsten Dunn, showing at 5.40pm. Then catch David Lynch's Wild at Heart running Friday, July 28th at 9.30pm and into the beginning of August, starring Nick Cage and Laura Dern. For more on the Screening Room's events and for tickets, you can visit ScreeningRoomKingston.com. Also in cinema news, head down to Market Square tonight for a showing of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Bring your blankets, chairs, and bug spray for a movie night under the stars. The movie starts at dusk and admission is free. You can visit downtownkingston.ca for the whole summer lineup of movies in the square. If you're looking for an opportunity to try something new this summer, you can keep a lookout for two classes. You can catch Summer Swing Mondays bi-weekly from 7 to 10 p.m. with the Queen's Swing Dance Club at the Spire. Each night kicks off with a beginner-friendly dance lesson taught by experienced dancers, and then you can stick around for two hours of open social dance and practice time. Queen's affiliation is not a prerequisite, and all are welcome. Tickets are $5 for students and $10 for community members. You can visit queensstc.ca to find their Eventbrite link and register now. 
And every summer Tuesday in Springer Market Square at 6.30 p.m., you can attend the free Salsa in the Square lesson and social dance. Instructors will be able to guide you through learning the dance and having fun. No tickets are required, and all you need to bring to this dance floor is your energy, spirit, and dance shoes. Again, that's Salsa in the Square every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. at Springer Market Square. And don't forget every Sunday that you can stop by that very market square for the Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Market, featuring a variety of vendors, each with their own unique touch. For handcrafted items, visual art, clothing, jewelry, home decor, and traditional Indigenous dishes from Cadu's First Foods, you can stop by Sundays from 10 to 3 p.m. through to September 24th. The Kick and Push Festival has officially started as of July 22nd and will run until August 19th across downtown Kingston. Kick and Push aims to take the audience beyond passive observers and is now in their ninth year. For more on Kick and Push and to get your tickets, you can visit thekickandpush.com. And last but certainly not least, the Black Block Party will be hitting downtown Kingston on July 29th from 12 to 5 p.m. to celebrate Emancipation Day. This event will feature a Black-owned local business expo vending beauty and skincare, makeup, handmade crafts, fitness, wellness goods, and more, and will also feature live music performances on the main stage from Danielle Hope Edwards, Kyra Daniels, Densani Dancers, and an AA DJ dance party. There will be food and drinks and a kid zone with a bouncy house, rock climbing, and giant Jenga, and you can also look forward to open basketball and an art corner with live portraits, mural work, photo booths, face painting, poetry, and reading rooms. You can learn more about this event and all the ways Emancipation Day is being celebrated across the city at cityofkingston.ca and keepupwithkingston.com. And as part of the Kick and Push festivities, the Theater Kingston Fringe Festival will be kicking off next week on August 3rd and running until August 13th. This year's festival touts 18 shows across 11 days and three venues. Here's Theater Kingston Artistic Director Rosemary Doyle with your look at 2023 Fringe. We are here with Rosemary Doyle, Artistic Director of Theatre Kingston, ahead of the Theatre Kingston Fringe Festival running August 3rd to 13th. Welcome to CFRC. Thank you for having me. We're really excited for the upcoming festival. You know, there's so much theater awesomeness happening and really glad to have the opportunity to cover the Fringe Festival in particular. And speaking of, it looks like there is just this fantastic, varied lineup hitting Fringe this year across three venues. But I wanted to get started by asking you, how do these shows come to play at the Fringe Festival here in Kingston? Well, with the TK Fringe Festival, we do an announcement in October or so, and we invite people to join our lottery. And the lottery is 25 bucks plus HST. And then uh, in usually December or January, we have our kind of a little night and we pull people from the lottery and then uh, whoever gets picked gets to be in the in the season this year everybody got in so it was great oh that's wonderful to be able to yeah. include everyone who was interested and when folks pitch these shows and they're drawn do they come to you with a complete cast and creative team to begin with or does it begin to become more collaborative once they're involved it really depends on the show but you don't have to have exactly what you think your show is going to be you can just title it a kid's play or some show yet to be announced just that you just need to want to do it and then you have a spot reserved awesome and do all of the performances come to us from local or canadian individuals or what's kind of the span or breadth of performers and creators we can see this year 
It really depends um, from year to year. This year we have a lot of out-of-town people uh, coming. Uh, we don't have any non-Canadians this year, although in the past we have people from as far as Venezuela come to see to be in the Kingston oh, Fringe. So it really, it really just depends year to year on who applies and what's going on. I think um, for a lot of the international uh, performers, it's still a little difficult post-COVID to be able to negotiate that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of kind of having three venues, you know, as I understand, it's the Davies Lounge, Confederation Place, and the Baby Grand. As far as yeah. choosing shows or perhaps just deciding collaboratively on, who, collaboratively on who's going to go where, do you feel as though those different venues bring a sort of different tone or audience to the performances? Uh, they do bring a different tone and also a different amount of... Uh, Kind of technical prowess. So I tried to put the shows that needed more bells and whistles, so to speak, in the Baby Grand, and then shows that were kind of smaller or one-person shows. I tried to put a lot of those in the Davies Lounge because it's the audience is very focused in the Davies Lounge, so it's a good space for that. And then uh, Confederation, I put, tried to put more shows that are a little meatier, a little darker, and have. Uh, but have less uh, going on as far as lights. They're a little more realistic shows, so shows where it's lights up, lights down, that sort of thing, I did. I put those in the hotel. Okay, that sounds awesome, and definitely you can perhaps get an idea of what you're in for then based on what venue you'll be attending. So that's Although the, the rap bingo show that's also playing down at the hotel, that one is going to have lots of bells and whistles because it's a DJ, but it, has, but it needed a flat surface because it needed six bingo tables set up oh so my can, gosh basically we turn the theater into a bingo hall that sounds so amazing you know speaking yeah. of that rap bingo show that sounds really fantastic but um speaking of a particular show are there any productions or maybe all of the productions you want to highlight or tell us more about for this year Absolutely. I can go venue by venue. So down at the Confederation Hall, you're also getting a dance show there. So we put that one there because it's a nice big flat surface as well. So that's called 24 and it, it chronicles, it has 24 different dances that each chronicle an hour within the day. We have Menomorphosis, which is happening down in the Confederation Hall for that. It's like... Um, it teaches you how to be a Mennonite in 500 years or less. And it's kind of like a TED talk. So it feels like it would happen in a hotel normally. So that sort of thing. A Stitch is happening, which is a kind of a realistic drama about a woman who's taking care of her husband with dementia and then meets a stranger. And as they say in the promotional material, a bad day goes to disastrous. We have a Creeping Murmur, Pouring Dark, which is Scary Victorian Ghost Stories by John D. Houston. And if you've seen him, he for Theatre Kingston, he does The Christmas Carol every year, and he also came and did Civilized. He's a very powerful performer. We also have uh, Girls Unwanted, which is uh, George F. Walker, brand new show, world premiere of a really fantastic Canadian playwright, and Will Britton is directing that one. He's got a cast of local, very talented actresses in that. And then we also have a world premiere of Sometimes I Love You Always, which stars Booth Savage and Janet Lee, And uh, they're a married couple who are basically theater royalty. They founded a lot of the theaters up in Toronto and have had illustrious careers. And now they're coming down to do this show. Um, also, speaking of theater royalty and the baby grand this year, 
Craps Last Tape is coming back with Jim Gerard. He did it in the Fringe a couple of years ago, and we had one show. Uh, this happens frequently where shows uh, sometimes something will happen and they won't be able to do the Fringe anymore, and then I look around to see if anybody else wants to. And so I asked Jim, and he agreed to bring back um, Craps Last Tape, and it was fantastic then. It's going to be fantastic again. Uh, Birthmarks is playing at the Baby Grand, and that's a one woman show by Alex Bozzi and Michael Kaplan is directing that and it's about a woman who loses a child and it, yeah it should be fairly emotional and interesting and then if you're feeling a little uh, emotional after that show you can jump into seeing Shirley Sherlock which is about murder on the Orient Express but it's a parody musical with Sherlock Holmes and a whole cast of I think they have 18 people in that cast that one's going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have the Frange Festival, which is an improv show based on the titles of plays going on in other fringes throughout Canada. Oh, that's so fun. That's quite fun. We have a Butterfly Tongue, which is a one-man show. He's got a guitar uh, with a guitarist. And it tells about uh, a man who's in love with a woman who has wings. So that's beautiful. We have the ADHD Project which is, as you can tell, about a woman's journey through, uh, through the, her challenge of growing up a little different, as she says. And then in the Davies Lounge, we actually have two shows that are great for children. One is Once Upon Another Time, which is a, a sequel to the great show, the show that sold out last year, which was Once Upon a Time. So that has four actual uh, young performers who are doing a kid's show. So that'll be a musical as well. And then we also have, are you catching what I'm throwing? Which is a, a juggler uh, and his, uh, his uh, finding uh, friends and dealing with, with loneliness, but it, it's, it's good for children as well. We have blueberry fever, which is, <laughs> this one made me laugh because it's about the angst of turning 30. And as a 52 year old, I, uh, <laughs> I take a little umbrage <laughs> to that, but I'm sure it's a fantastic show, <laughs> but oh. it made me laugh. Like, Oh, to only to turn 30 again. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have the all-inclusive comedy show, which is going to be a different show every night. The only thing in common is that uh, the performers, the idea around it is that you have come to the pink tulip uh, all-inclusive place where anything is possible. And, and they promise that you'll laugh until your flip-flops fall off. So that sounds fun. And uh, then we also have our... Our tour, one of our touring artists who won the, the CAF Touring Lottery. So he's going all over Canada and he has a show called One Night Only, which is a hilarious show about depression. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Now that one, I have to say, there is a fake gun in it. So if you're afraid of what is essentially a rubber paperweight in the shape of a gun, then uh, don't go to that one. But uh, it's, I promise you it can't even shoot. So don't worry. It's just a prop. So there's a uh, yeah. So there's lots lots to happen at the at the fringe this year. That's so awesome. And since there's so much going on, and you know, you go, you check out the fringe schedule, and there's all these different shows across all these different venues at different times. Do you have any tips for our listeners, folks who come out, how to get the most out of fringe this year, and how to see what they want to see? Yeah, absolutely. I think personally, what I would do because I've made it very easy this year is if you buy a pass to see all the shows, it's not very expensive, I think it's $217 or something like that. If you buy that pass, you get a special envelope with your receipt in it, 
and you get to just flash it at the door people and just go to see whatever show it is and you get first dibs on walking in the doors. So that means that you can run from show to show to show to show as often as you like and you don't have to book the show, you can just go. So I think that would, if you want to just see everything and make it your stay vacation, uh, it's basically cheaper than going out for a fancy meal. So you can have two weeks of fun, fun, fun. And if you want to see a show more than once, you can as well. So uh, I would really recommend to get that pass. Other than that, I have, they're at the printers as we speak. So in the next week or so, I have made a schedule Bring your magnifying glass because there's 18 shows. <laughs> but I made a schedule so you can, which has little blocks of color that show exactly how long every show is, so you can see how long you have to run from one show to the other. So, uh, so you can make your own little path through to see shows. Um, but there is something for everyone. In fact, there's kind of almost two shows of every type of genre that you might want to see. Um, so you can. The beautiful thing about the TK Fringe is it is a boutique fringe. There are 18 shows. It is absolutely possible with the schedule to be able to see them all in a multitude of different ways. So don't be afraid of it. Embrace the fringe and just go, go, go. Yeah, and that actually segues really well to the kind of last question I was hoping to ask you, which is that if folks haven't really been to a Fringe Festival before, they're used to a different kind of theater, a different kind of ethic or idea behind theater, what do you think makes it unique or special or why should they come out to this Fringe Festival? I think the beautiful thing about a Fringe Festival is that the box office money goes to the artists. They have to keep it simple because they have to be able to bring up their show and take down their show in 15 minutes. It's unjuried, so you don't know what you're going to get. And it has people from, like I said, theater royalty, people who have been doing theater their whole life to young people who may never have done a show before and everything in between. There's so many different genres. It's a really great way to just jump in the deep end and just have a good time. And you have just as much fun talking about the great shows that you've seen as talking about the ones that you're like, oh, I don't know about that one. It's great. <laughs> like, it's, it's just fun. Just It's the multitude of just going to see show after show after show. And they're cheap and cheerful. I mean, it's it, you're never going to get more entertainment bang for your buck. And uh, talking about buck, we have the buckle is going to be our kind of fringe hub. So if you need to grab a quick bite or a cheap beer or whatever, um, they're all ready to have us coming in and the, all the chaotic of people running off to shows. And it's really fun to chat to the artists and ask the fellow audience members, did you see this one? What do you think of that one? In it's really that kind of festival fun indulgence is what the Fringe is all about. And the other thing that's great about the Fringe is that we're all doing it for the love. This isn't like a crazy Mervish show where you go and buy the program and it's like 50 bucks for the program. No, yeah. it's fun, <laughs> cheap, as cheap as possible as we can get it and just really fun, 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 and the artists, everybody's doing it because they love this this thing that we call theater. They love that and they want to be a part of it. And it's about a real gathering and coming together of the audiences, the the artists, and and just that that energy is really very electric. And remember, it's part of the Kick and Push Festival as well, which is going on all of, starting now all to the end of August. And if you want to be really indulgent, we also have a thing called the Golden Ticket, which gets you to all 
the kick and push shows and all the fringe shows so you can get one of those too and just be a theater maven yeah well i think that is a fantastic note to end off on looking forward to the fringe festival thank you so much rosemary listeners once again theater kingston fringe festival runs from august 3rd to 13th and you can visit theaterkingston.com for tickets and more information and thank you again break a leg to everybody involved Coming up next on Kingston Theatre, Driftwood Theatre will be kicking off their final Bards bus tour in Kingston on August 5th and 6th. Here we are with Artistic Director of Driftwood, Jeremy Smith, chatting about the upcoming show, Living with Shakespeare, and more about what's to come from Driftwood. But keep it locked because we'll have your live music calendar here on the Kingston Curator, only on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are here with Artistic Director of Driftwood Theatre, Jeremy Smith, ahead of the company's departure for their final Bards bus tour, kicking off in Kingston August 5th and 6th at Springer Market Square. Jeremy, we are so happy to have you here. Congratulations and welcome to CFRC. Thank you so much, Lauren. I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) So just to then kick things off, get started, I wanted to, like I said, congratulate yourself and the company on setting off on this final Bards bus tour. I think this is a project that's touched a lot of lives over the years, mine included. First of all, though, for folks who might be less familiar, could you give us the brief history of Driftwood and the Bards bus tour? Oh my gosh, sure. Of course I can. Yeah. So Driftwood actually started or was was birthed while I was actually in Kingston. I was studying at Queens and I got this idea while I was in the middle of a theater history class and called my dad at the time and said, Dad, I, I want to do a show and I want to I want to tour it across, you know, Durham region, which is where I grew up. And um, and since that day, way back in sort of 1995, um, Driftwood has slowly been sort of growing ever since. And so now for the last 30 years, we have been um, an outdoor summer touring company that brings mostly classic theater to communities all over the province. And I was wondering, what can you tell us about this year's production, uh, Living with Shakespeare? So I think the really wonderful thing about, you know, making a decision, being able to make a decision about ending a thing, is that then we get to decide the way in which we go out and for me it was very important important to to really tie that to my personal experience over the last 30 years and make it a show about this relationship that i've had with this this famous playwright for 35 35 years and that's that was sort of the, the idea the 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 nucleus of the show and it's sort of grown from there to become this really wonderful funny uh, joyous um, and reckoning. I'll, I'm still going to say it's a reckoning with with this relationship, with this friendship, like any friendship, right? That has ups and downs. That that has struggle. It has moments um, of real conflict. But in the end, you know, it's a, it's about a friendship and about how the cycle of all our of all our lives um, move through those relationships. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating and thinking about it as a cycle of time, especially when you're bringing this classic theater, especially Shakespeare, to a contemporary audience who may be so familiar and feel like they've seen it all or some who have never seen it before, folks who think maybe it's not for them. What do you think will stand out to you when you look back on these 30 years of doing the Bard's Bus tour um, when it comes to a conclusion? You know, I I say quite often that I, I love my job. And I think that what I 
but what I really do appreciate about it, I love telling stories, I love sharing stories, but that that process, especially in theater, is a communal one. You do it with people. You do it with the people who you're rehearsing with, you do it with the people who help you make the show, and then eventually you do it with people who experience the show. It is a, it's a constant communication. And what I will most definitely look back on um, from the first 30 years of Driftwood's existence are all the really wonderful relationships that I've built with people all over the province, whether they're performers or board members or volunteers or audience members. Um, it's just been a, that's been a wonderful, wonderful part of my life. Oh, that's so fantastic to hear. And thank you for sharing the insight on what I'm sure is a pretty personal and long running project here with us. I was wondering, and when I was looking into this year's show, The Living with Shakespeare show, I noticed that it's sort of like a hybrid piece. There's a lot going on here. When you were thinking about setting off for this final tour, where did the idea originate to do this original piece for you folks? Well, I think, again, I think it goes back to that idea of wanting to be able to uh, to say goodbye to a chapter in Driftwood's existence. And um, and, I, and I knew, sort of, I suspected for myself that it's not something that I could do through another play. It had to be my my goodbye. Yeah. Uh, because, it, you know, Driftwood is a company that I started a long time ago, um, and I wanted to be able to say farewell, and I wanted to be able to say thank you, and I can only do that if I'm, if I'm using my own words. And... Shakespeare's words too, because the play is this really interesting um, communion of, of, of both Shakespeare's words and mine. Yeah, that sounds like it's just going to be a fantastic, really special, original production. And I was wondering, looking back um, at the Bard's Bus Tour, kind of as you were doing it, what do you think it was about the project that gave it such longevity and returning to it year after year? Uh... You know, I think that has a lot to do with perseverance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, you know, as any as any as anyone who works uh, sort of in in you know nonprofit theater, professional nonprofit theater in, in Canada, knows that you you just really have to persevere and you have to be willing to stick with it. Um, but you know, honestly, it, it also again it comes back to people. Um, I I I fundamentally deeply enjoy the process of of meeting people and talking to them and sharing stories with them. And I think that's, that's what it is. I mean, that's why, I think that's why any of us um, do this or decide to do this as a profession. Yeah, absolutely. I really connect with that personally. I think that's a fantastic point about the connection and the communication that you can find through art and through storytelling and through theater. Thank you so much for sharing that. But now kind of, I think looking forward would be a good idea from here. In doing my research, I've seen a lot of really cool projects that Driftwood has produced or is currently producing. Are there any particular projects you'd like to highlight here for our listeners? Oh, sure. You know, I think that the future of Driftwood is still somewhat a bit of um, a work in progress. We're still in the process of, of revising and refining our next strategic plan. Uh, but I, I do know that, for example, we are we are firmly committed to to this idea of, of but not just sharing stories, but creating stories. And so right now, for example, I have we have two playwrights who are um, in in house, so to speak, or in residence. Um, uh, Gloria Mock, who is a playwright from Mississauga, who's written this really beautiful show called um, Diminished, which is about a relationship between uh, a, a, a piano tuner 
and this young girl in this house whose piano she he, he goes to tune and it's just a, it's funny and sharp and lovely and quirky and then i'm also working with um a, a refugee artist named ahmed monica who arrived in canada in 2015 um and he has uh, he approached me a little while ago we have a we developed a relationship and um He's got this really cool idea for a play based on Gunter Grasses, uh, who's a German playwright from the wartime era. He wrote a book called The Tin Drum, and there's a chapter in that book called The Onion Cellar. And it's this, again, it's a fascinating story about people coming together to share stories so that they can awaken their empathy uh, and they can awaken their own emotions so that they can process um, their grief um, and or their experiences. But he's he's writing it as a this really cool world fusion musical with uh, collectively with six other artists. So it's it's a very cool process. And so we're deep into that right now, deep into building other people's stories, building the stories of the Shakespeare's of today, if you will. Oh, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Really looking forward to seeing how those two shows will shape up over the years. And just personally, I saw it on your website and I absolutely had to ask this Shakespeare D&D project. Oh, yeah. That sounds absolutely fascinating, <laughs> uh, you know, that you're fusing, oh my gosh, two of my favorite things in the world that I need to go back and watch all of it that I can find. But I just found that really interesting when you talk about collaborative storytelling. How did the idea of using that tabletop medium uh, come up and does it kind of inform um, the future of Driftwood as well? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to hear about, you know, other people, other great uh, RBG people coming out of the woodwork and 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 letting people know about their passion for this great game, this really collaborative game. It it just sort of made sense. We were coming out of COVID, you know. I'd been playing I've been playing Dutchess Dragons my whole life, um, and um, and I wanted to I wanted to do something that would be joyful. And Driftwood has already had already done projects like we have a, a winter thing, a Christmas thing called William Shakespeare's A Christmas Carol, which is. Um, a play that was written by a, a, a writer in, in the States called Ian, named Ian Dosher. And he has this great mashup of these two things. And I thought, well, can I, what would it be like if I mashed up Shakespeare and Driftwood, or Shakespeare and 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 D? &D? Um, because Shakespeare's plays are filled with all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. They're filled with dragons and witches and heroes and big battles. And and so it just became this great riff on an idea. And so it's super fun. And, and we've had two really, really great experiences and and that is also something that we are looking at figuring out how like how to make that work you know whether it's going to be yeah. a live event or is it going to be like a lot of rpg things right now it's going to be a streamed event we're still figuring that out but it's super fun it will be back for sure that is so great to hear and again kind of finishing off and looking forward where can our listeners keep up with you at driftwood to see more from yourself and the company Oh yeah, well, very simple. Our, our website is driftwoodtheater.com, but we're also on most socials, uh, definitely Facebook and Instagram, and it's just at Driftwood Theater. Easy to find us, and we'd love for everybody to check in. Perfect. Well, you heard it here, folks. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Listeners, Driftwood Theater will be bringing Living with Shakespeare on their final Bard's Bus tour to Kingston on the 5th and 6th of August in Springer Market Square at 7.30 p.m. Pay what you can tickets start at $15 and are available now at driftwoodtheater.com slash tickets. Thank you again. Break a leg to everybody and congratulations. Thank you so much. For today's live music lineup, I'll be featuring shows from fantastic local and visiting acts fast approaching to Kingston. Keep it locked because you won't want to miss these details. 
Wolfchella hits Wolf Island this weekend running from Friday the 28th till Sunday July 30th. You can catch all kinds of fantastic acts at Hotel Wolf Island. On Friday evening, beginning at 7.30pm, you can catch Dartmouth, The Get-Alongs, Theo Vandenhoff. On Saturday, beginning at 5.30pm, you can catch DJ LK, DJ Espresso, Club Soda, High Fidelity Club, and Cali Horse. Finally, on Sunday the 30th, beginning at 3pm, you can catch Shotgun Jimmy and Buy Divine Right with special guest DJs. Tickets are $20 for single-day passes or $40 for the whole festival pass and are available now at HotelWolfIsland.com. Also this Friday the 28th, Cardinal Official, Maestro Fresh West, and Keaton will be rocking the square at Springer Market Square beginning at 8pm. This free all-ages show is bringing Canadian hip-hop legends and Kingston's very own supporting act Keaton for a fantastic night of live music. Again, that's at Springer Market Square, July 28th at 8pm. On Saturday, July 29th at the Broom Factory, local musician, producer, and songwriter Chris Coaster of Kingston band The Glorious Sons will be unveiling his new band, Coaster, at this all-ages show with special guest Mish Mars. Doors are at 7pm, the music starts at 8pm, and this group will be playing all new material from their new release, CK Stays Up All Night Smiling. So be sure to get your tickets now for $25 at broomfactory.ca. And No Static will be presenting a weird and hazy, not-so-punk show at the next church on Sunday, July 30th. Catch Montreal po- catch Montreal post-punk group Sunforger, gritty indie Kingston group 47 Teeth, and Kingston Garage post-punk band Automatic Joy. Masks and earplugs are provided free of charge and are highly recommended. Tickets are $15, although no one will be turned away for lack of funds and tipping is encouraged. To learn more about this event and about No Static's further events and their CFRC radio show, you can check them out at at No Static Forever on Instagram. And on Monday, July 31st, you can catch Along the Lines on their Our Dear Finale Tour at the Mansion with special guests Rise of Dissension and Mad Wet Sea. Tickets are $10 online in advance or $15 at the door, and doors are at 8.30 p.m. You can find this listing and many more awesome shows at kingstonlive.ca. And in the vein of live music, coming up next, we have Tiny Horse, who stopped by the CFRC studio to chat about opening for the Trues, playing How Island Rock and the Rock, and about their upcoming engagement at the Hillside Festival this weekend in Guelph. Here they are, only on the Kingston Curator, CFRC 101.9 FM. We are here with local band Tiny Horse here on CFRC, looking back on gigs and forward to some more at the upcoming Hillside Festival this weekend. How are you all doing? Welcome to the Kingston Curator. Thank you so much for Howdy. having us. Thank you. So it sounds like it's been a very busy time. There's been a lot going on. I thought it would be great to hear from you folks just concerning kind of each gig that you've played recently and chat about them in order. So as I understand it, you folks opened for the Trues along with the Wilderness and Reds back on July 15th. And that bill seems like a lot of fun. Do you have any highlights from that night that you'd like to start by sharing? It was a great night. Um, We love being back at McKinnon. Um, and being able to play with both local musicians and musicians that we have kind of looked up to um, was really great. Uh, I think a highlight for me was being able to be pulled up and sing a little cover with the Trues. It was kind of a last-minute uh, deal, but... We were definitely nervous about it, and we are kind of like, oh, God, like... Because we didn't really rehearse it, and they're like, do you guys want to come up and sing? <laughs> oh, Cindy yes. Lauper and Girls just want to have fun, so we're just backstage being like, all right. 
Anybody know the there, words? There, yeah, was, that was beautiful. Just trying to get those uh, lyrics in time, but I think we did it. Right now, we're currently out. like a daytime band. Like we always play during the day, so yeah. being able to like get on stage during the nighttime with the lights on, oh, and it's like yeah. the whole crowd's just really like focused in, and I liked that a lot. Hell yeah, whole new crowd too. Like it was a brand new demographic for us, a lot mm-hmm. of new faces, and seems that we rubbed off. So it was cool. That is so fun, especially I can imagine that the tone would be pretty different if you're not used to playing at night, like bringing a different energy. And that's so funny about girls just want to have fun because I feel like that's one where you think you know the words and then you're asked to sing it and you're like, do I actually I was shocked. I was shocked at how little words I knew. Shocked and appalled. (laughs) We're so sorry, Cindy Lauper. That sounds awesome. So you said to be back at McKinnon. I understand you folks have played McKinnon Brothers before. Those were all day shows. Were they a different vibe for you previously at that venue? Our first kind of show together as a full band. So Tiny Horse has been around since 2020, but it started as like a duo with Ray and myself. I'm Kira. And... um, this time, or last summer, we added in Julia and Harvey. We'd been playing together for a couple months, but that was, like, our first big show together for the McKinnon Festival. And, yeah, we just, like, practiced so hard for that and rehearsed and got the set so tight, and we kind of came out we kind of came out at that show as, like yeah. our, as our full band. <laughs> Collectively yeah, came yeah. out. It yeah. was, like, a big moment for us yeah. as, like, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a band playing last year. It was year, an so. early slot. Like, we played early yeah, we played afternoon, like, mm-hmm. and it was great, but to be able to play the same space again... When it's like a packed crowd and yeah. everyone's there for the music, oh, yeah. it was it was really cool. Oh, it definitely oh, yeah. changes things. Yeah, well, that's so awesome to hear about all of that, and also kind of looking back, how Island Rock and the Rock was really recent, just this past Saturday at time of recording. Again, that's with the Wilderness. It's with my son, the Hurricane, Bon Evans Band, and Chris and D. What was it like to then go from that night venue with the Trues to an all-day kind of festival like this? Was there an adjustment to be made? Wow. That was like a first time for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. It was None a trip. Yeah. yeah, How Island How Island Fest <laughs> is like, it was best described as a fever dream. Like, it's like you walk in and it's so beautiful. It's like this guy's backyard, but it's so strange. Like, yeah. there's this incredible, massive, it's probably the nicest stage we've ever played on. Like, it we was had huge. so much, we could run around. Harvey's like so on a riser. Yeah. Like, it felt like, <laughs> it felt like this big, big show. And it's just like in this guy, his name's Dave Chesborough, his backyard. Just um, like an artist paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Big love to Dave. And it was, we had, the sound was amazing and the crowd was super nice. And I feel like it's a show that people go to kind of every year. So like, yeah. we were super just like guests there in their, in their backyard concert. But oh my gosh, it was, I think it was probably one of our best shows we've ever done. It was killer fun. Yeah. So impressive though for a, uh, you know, individual run event to have such traction and such turnout and loads of volunteers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was wicked. Really good fun. That is so awesome to hear that it was so great for you guys. And obviously, so kind of going from all these different shows, you talked about how it's a little different for you to play at night, but do you folks go through the process of anticipating a vibe and kind of prepping your show based on where you're going to be? Or is that more of a spur of the moment thing when you're up on stage? Hmm. Good question. It's kind of a mix of both, I would say. I mean, we... Like with the the show at McKinnon, we knew that we were going to be playing to kind of a new demographic and people who hadn't uh, heard our music before. So we were pretty intentional with what songs we were going to put in what order and what we wanted people to hear as new listeners. Um, but then I think we kind of do some things on the fly as well. And Kira's really great at ad-libbing and a content that's like really tailored to the audience. 
um, and we switch up how we play things based on who's there. We, we try to rehearse things to be like super professional and have like a nice flow and that's something that we're really working on as we like get get grow is having our set feel more like you know exactly what's going to happen as you're kind of coming next yeah. like we're really prepared for it but i think we also have a tendency so for example we played the show in toronto last week where it was kind of we had like some people coming to see us that we wanted to impress and the next night we played at um prince eddie's brewery in prince edward county and those two shows like we just got so goofy for the for the county show like i think that once you're kind of on stage and obviously we like we have crazy friends too that just like really come out and support us so if we have some of those guys in the audience like we'll definitely i don't know cheese it up goof it up for them a little <laughs> yeah. bit like well yeah. exactly you gotta cater to that you gotta have your fun and i feel like those live gigs can be such a give and take that if you're having fun like the crowd is going to be just loving it so that's super cool to hear i wanted to kind of pivot to hillside because that yeah. is so exciting mm -hmm. that is coming up as i understand it on guelph island this weekend is it exciting for you folks you talked about toronto now we're in guelph do you look forward to bringing these songs to new audiences or is there something more intimidating about that do you find mm. Ooh, definitely no i'm not feeling the intimidation <laughs> <laughs> i'm so tough no. <laughs> it's just so exciting it's an really awesome to be able to have a further outreach again like that new feeling from being at McKenna with all the Trues fans that new exposure like this is a whole new demographic that we get to work with so and I feel like in our set like we're always like so pumped on I think you always think your best song is the last song that you've written yeah. so we we have this one song that we've recently added to the set called one percent and when it comes on we're just like totally tuned in and it gets us excited but I I love playing to a new audience that I know probably haven't heard like some of our old relics you know like it may be their first time hearing this song called sabrina where we like clap along so seeing people yeah. kind of click into it um is super exciting and hillside is i've actually never been to the summer festival but it's apparently like the most magical place on I've earth heard it's yeah. fantastic Have you and been? the lineup is just oh, ridiculous I know. it's gonna be really so cool. great um, so yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I was wondering, as you grow, as you bring these older songs, these new songs out on the road, do you find that sort of road testing these songs informs your creative or your studio process? Like when you go back to bring out new tracks, is that an element for you guys? We're actually, we just had this conversation. <laughs> okay. We are, we are uh, in the process of recording uh, an EP and okay. um, we're kind of debating. There's a few songs that we're, we're not sure yet as we've, as we've written new ones, which ones are going to make it on there. And so okay. some of it is like, we thought we had uh, the songs chosen and then in performing them live like and this seeing the week. reaction, yeah. we're like, oh, we maybe that's it. the choice, yeah. you know? Oh, so yeah. it does influence um, not only how we how we perform them, but how we want to record them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds, and that sounds really interesting because as you're talking about opening for all these different genres, these different acts, you could see how different influences might end up making it onto the EP based on the crowd that you're kind of attuning to. That's just a really interesting insight. It's funny that that came up, yeah. but yeah. We're kind of like, like a lot of our songs, when Ray and I originally wrote them, they were sort of like these like folk duo songs that mm -hmm. Harvey and Julia have like added parts to. But now that we're sort of writing more thinking like as a band, I feel like the songs are kind of a bit more maybe like pop like going a bit more into this I, I always it's not disco but I just dream of disco like it's like yeah. I want us to be ABBA like it's yes. like it's kind of like ABBA. we describe it we, well I describe us as we're kind of like bare naked ladies meets David Bowie 
I love that. That sounds, that's really And thrown in yes. ABBA base. Like that's kind of what we're going for. <laughs> so the new ones, I don't know. I'm just, I feel really excited about kind of where they're sort of, they're, they're taking us into this like interesting pocket where it's, I don't know, it's folk pop. Genres don't yeah. exist, right? Yeah. Oh Genres are a construct. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Well, taking that songwriting that's so beautifully done and just having the sound grow into something larger. So yeah. we're just expanding upon kind of what was originally there, which has been really great. Mm. All right. Well, there's so much happening here that sounds so fantastic, and it was really great to have you here chatting about it. But obviously, it almost seems a bit redundant to ask with so much going on. But just before we sign off here, is there anything that's next for Tiny Horse that you would want to kind of tell our listeners about? Totally. We have uh, a new single coming out uh, at the end of August, so you should keep your eyes tuned on that. Okay. And we're also, yeah, we're heading into the studio in two weeks to finish up our six track ep which is scheduled to come out in november so oh awesome add it to the google calendar we also have a is it a secret show would we call it a secret show a secret ish something like a secret garden secret the secret garden we're playing the musiki back patio august 26th it's cute intimate venue and i think that we're gonna have a lot of people coming out so get there early Wonderful, wonderful. So lots of stuff to look forward to. Um, is there place online social media handles or we can keep an eye out? Totally. We have an aggressive Instagram presence. <laughs> okay. Tiny awesome. horse music. <laughs> I love that descriptor. Yeah. I love that descriptor. Okay. Check us out on Instagram. We have a website too, tinyhorsemusic.com. Okay. Well, that's tinyhorsemusic.com. And thank you so much for being here. Listeners, if you do happen to be in the Guelph area this weekend, Tiny Horse will be playing Saturday at the Hillside Festival at Guelph Lake Island. Day passes for the festival start at $70 and $180 for weekend passes. You can visit hillsidefestival.ca for the full lineup and for tickets. Thank you so much again for being here on The Curator. Thank you. That does it for us this week on the Kingston Curator, but remember that you can check out this and all past episodes on our CFRC podcast feed. We'll be resuming on our regularly scheduled time slot of Fridays at 3pm on August 11th after taking an off week. That was the Kingston Curator, and this is Lauren Tucker, signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.